Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host, Tom Gerrard. Uh, this episode, I catch up with an old friend of mine, Rob Donner. Rob's a uh, Melbourne-based photographer who has a job that requires him to drive around um, the suburbs of Melbourne. And on his uh, travels, he actually comes across a lot of old, like, rundown buildings and um, just old houses that uh, have been neglected. And... Um, yeah, and he takes photos of uh, of all these, and he's got a, a really good eye for it. And he's um, captured a lot of uh, style of uh, Australian architecture that's um, just not uh, not really around much these days. Uh, he's got an Instagram that he puts it all on, uh, Robski three three three. And I uh, chat to him about his process and uh, how he uh, how he goes about getting all his photos. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. It really helps people find out about us. Um, without further ado, here's the interview with Rob. How you going, Rob? I'm pretty good, Tom. Yeah. So, um, yeah, thanks for coming out here and uh, sitting down with me on a on a wintry night in uh, spring. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, like, I guess we'll start from the start, get straight into it. But um, like, how'd you get into photography? Um, I didn't really choose to get into photography. It just, just kind of happened. Um, when I was a, a little kid, uh, my, my grandmother, she always used to have all these National Geographic magazines. And for some reason, I was always drawn to the, the, the last chapter where it was always a, a focus on some place in the world, whether it be a city or a small sort of shithole country town in the mid Midwest of America. I don't know, there was something, there was always something somber almost melancholy look to it just seeing the images on that that rich glossy paper it always just kind of spoke to me I, I, don't, I don't really know what it said but just from a young age I was always drawn to it and then when I was about seven or eight I used to go down the local library a lot and I um I borrowed all the I was, I was quite into history at the time and um I borrowed a heap of sort of books on the first and first and second world war and I used to borrow them take them home and again I was just sort of drawn to that sort of somber more sort of darker side of of humanity and I, I ended up cutting out all all the pictures so i just borrowed every single book in the library over the space of six months and i just cut cut them out and i put them all in this folder and i was always looking for the sort of not the the more sort of propaganda shots that you'd sort of see from the russians and the allies it was always a sort of more the photojournalistic side especially of a, uh, a guy called robert capper and a few other people had always so showed the sort of human side and the and the strain of, of of what was going on but yeah it was quite funny the first batch i sort of did i just cut out the pictures and when i returned the books there were all these stickers on them saying pictures taken and cut and cut out but uh so what i learned to do is i bought i got a scalpel and i'd cut the pictures out and then just slice out the whole page so therefore they never knew and yeah i built up this incredible collection of pictures and unfortunately i'm kind of spewing now my mum threw them out when I when I moved out of home but now sort of being 40 I'd love to sort of go back and have a look and see what a sort of seven year seven or eight year olds view of the world was like then yeah and so did you ever study photography or no I didn't never self-taught yeah self-taught just yeah. I suppose just studying books photography books yeah. and I never actually studied photography books it was always always lent more towards that sort of photojournalism style where people shooting on the fly on the run you know shooting in available light like you know sort of studio photography fashion photography that 
to me, you know, has absolute zero zero interest. Yeah, it's more like getting out with the camera and, and getting into it, eh? Yeah, just capturing the moment as it is. Yeah, because I um like I first met you in uh in London in two thousand and two. Yes. Like we go out painting together and stuff like that. Drinking at pubs as well. Yeah, yeah, pl- plenty of that. And um, like, were you were you doing photography back then? Because like, I, I guess I I saw you in different situations. I didn't see you in um, you know, well, either painting or you were uh, or were drinking or something like that. Um, not really. I'd, I'd you know, I used to take heaps of pictures of, of graffiti, and I suppose before I went to London, I spent three months in the southwest of America with with my wife and we sort of did quite a few road trips and you know I suppose I've she she was a graphic designer and because a bit of the graffiti background I was always interested in typography and bits and pieces and um, yeah so just being in that sort of midwest and southwest of America you have all these all the old signs and so forth and I remember before I went I was actually a little bit earlier in I think it was in 1998, I, uh, I watched the, the sort of cult classic Easy Rider, and that sort of had a real profound, I suppose, influence and effect on me. It was just, I was just blown away by that film. And when I was in the States, where I actually sort of travelled on a, a lot of the sections of the road where that, that, that was filmed, and I remember, I don't know if anybody here has seen the film, there's a scene where they, they stop at a petrol station, mm. and uh, it's called Sacred Mountain. It's a white white petrol station, these beautiful snow-capped mountains in the background. I ended up finding it and I went in, it's no longer a petrol station, it's like a an Indian trading post. And I went in and I was just talking shit with, with the guy there and um, just talking to him about easy riding. He goes, hang on a minute, he comes out and he pulls out this sort of A4, was it, 8x10 or 8x12 black and white picture of, of um, Peter Fonda, Dennis Hopper, and, uh, and a couple of American Indians who were there just sitting on, on a bench out, out the front of this petrol station. It was taking a break during filming. And um, he said what was also pretty cool is the scene in the film was when they actually pull out from the petrol station. There's a, there's a little girl who sort of looks through the window. He said, oh, that's, that's now actually my, my wife. So, huh. uh, yeah, it was just a, a, a cool little story. But, yeah, just sort of being in that part of America, you, you can't help but not sort of be inspired Every, everywhere you look it's it's almost like a, a still from from a film yeah yeah I, I i did a road trip across the states a few years ago and that was that was really interesting like i took a lot of photos as well one thing that i got got right into taking photos of was um i was in new orleans yes and i went to uh and i went around where all the where hurricane katrina had hit and there was still lots of houses around and they all just had like saggy roofs and and everything like that. Like it was, um, I just got a lot of, a lot of really nice photos. But I, I know it's harsh, like what happened. But um, I'm happy with the photos. You know, it's, it's uh, unreal. You, you know what I mean? It's like it's, um, you know, there's a bit of guilt there, I guess, for, for liking the photos. But it's, uh, you know, there's a real story there, and it's um, crazy seeing like whole blocks like knocked down, and then there's like one house sitting there, and then there'll be random houses just with families still living in them, no one else around, and it's just like. Shit, this was like a full suburb, wow. you know, like once upon a time. The roads are all still there, but uh, the houses aren't. It's crazy. Okay. Yeah. But that, that reminds me of like one of the, um, you know, one of the reasons we're sitting down now is because uh, of the suburban drudgery um, photos you've been taking. And like, I've been, I've been loving them. Yeah, yeah, I'm not really sure how that started. I, I never really 
set out to, to start it. It was just um, just with my job. I, I, I travel a lot. I'm, I'm on the road sort of, you know, five days a week. I travel in, in, interstate. So I, I get to see a lot of Australia, the good and bad, mainly the bad. Um, I'm always sort of out in sort of fringe fringe suburbs that are just kind of depressing shitholes with, you know, people who sort of born there, live there, die there. Um, you know, you just, it's just really a, I suppose, a, a wanky sort of intellectual comment would be to call it a, you know, a, uh, what's the word, a, a homogenised franchise landscape, really, I suppose. But really, it's just people living in fucking consumer zombie land. And yet the great irony is I'm, my job I do, I actually contribute to that sort of <laughs> consumer fucking zombie land. So it's a bit of a, it's a, it's a bit of a weird, weird irony. Um, but yeah, especially in the real, like sort of, like I was saying before, always right into history and sort of being into photography, you always observe stuff. You notice really in the last couple of years in, in Australia that, you know, population is just kind of ramping up and exploding. And there's just this real sort of, I suppose, thirst for, you know, meeting the housing needs of that pop population. Of course, there's always sort of developers who are, you know, ready to exploit it. So as soon as a, a property goes for sale, it just basically gets, you know, either what's the, what's the real estate term? Uh, re renovate or, or detonate. And most of the time it, get, it gets detonated. And there's always a, a short time frame while the developers are at council that the property sits idle. And in that time, you, you, you know, you get to see a, a very quick, rapid decline, you know, the people strip the timber and copper and, you know, asbestos and everything gets out of it. And then the local kids chuck shit through the windows, break the windows and people tag it and, you know, do pieces on it. So you know, I always love the juxtaposition because, you know, the, the suburb is always in Western society is always painted as this extremely safe family environment, you know, where, you know, it's free from crime, free from this, you know, you know, such a, a you know place to raise a family, and then all of a sudden, when you see a house with smashed windows and you know graffiti all over it, and you know people don't like paying exorbitant tip fees, so they go dump mattresses and all this other shit inside it. All of a sudden, you'll have a you know a sort of you pick white picket fence house, and then just something that looks absolutely chaotic, and then next door again is your other picket fence house. So yeah, I, I just like that contrast, I suppose. Yeah, and we were you like automatically drawn to take the to start photographing, uh, yeah, photographing this. Uh, um, I don't know. I started, I suppose, photography. I started taking pictures of, um, I suppose, like abandoned factories and bits and pieces. That's kind of cool, but I know it's become a little bit. I hate saying the word, a little bit cliched, and you know, factory goes up, everybody goes in and takes the same pictures, and you see, you see the same views, the same thing, and I know factories are a little bit soulless, whereas a house, you know, people live in there, they raise their families in there, they have birthdays in there, they have deaths, they have arguments, they have marriages, you know, people's whole lives happen in these houses, and you know, you can have a house with an incredible amount of history, and as soon as it's that person's died or you know, the place is sold or something, all of a sudden, boom, it's all that sort of history is basically lost and gone and there's no sort of regard for it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but in saying that, like, it's it's the features on those buildings, I think, that you're taking the photos of are, are awesome because, like, a lot of them are, like, the old 
you know they've had a life and they're old and they are but the detailing is is um you know what do they say the wanky term mid-century mid-century that's it that's <laughs> it my uh that's my uh my buddy mike he's the uh he's a woodworker at the studio and he uh he calls things mid-century and i thought he was um i didn't know when they were from but uh i realized he meant the 50s <laughs> okay <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, but you know what I mean? It's like that, yeah. that, that, that 50s era where they were building the houses and all that, and they just don't make things like that anymore. So the details and the features that are still left are, are pretty, um, you know, they just don't make it like that anymore. Especially the yeah. fireplaces. A lot of them get yeah. filled in with these really, you know, they were originally a fireplace, and you see them now, and there's just some dodgy sort of late 70s or early 80s gas heater just mm. kind of plunged Ran into in it, and you've got this sort of beautiful brickwork and stuff. And, yeah, Tom's right. You A lot of those... I suppose architectural features and details will never be repeated again because yeah. as building techniques change, materials change, yeah. you know, everything just kind of progresses. Yeah. So, you know, colours and everything, it all changes and just keep, keeps evolving. So, yeah, I suppose it is a bit of a snapshot in time. Yeah. Those gas heaters were lethal. Like, I remember um, I used to skate with a guy, Mike, Mike Toomey, if you're listening, it was you. But uh, he, uh, he, he reached over and... Uh, like went to light the the heater and he got electrocuted and it blew the tips of his finger off his other hand off. Far out. And that's like, and he was young and that's just in the family home in the lounge room. <laughs> wow. Like, bloody lethal. I'm, I'm sort of glad they don't make them like that anymore, you know. Okay. Yeah. But I love that photo you got of, of, of the, the brick fireplace that had been bricked in. So it was just like, yes, and yeah, the, you can see the and details. The, and the yeah. shoddy brickwork where the people had bricked it in, they actually hadn't used the, the, the zigzag brick pattern. They'd just put it in and... Yeah, yeah, some yeah. some random order, yeah, and you got yeah, that yeah. nice sort of green carpet in front, yeah, just minging. Yeah, yeah. So like, um, like what parts of Melbourne do you do you go for? Like, do you do you like get most of your shots in? Um, probably most of the southeast. Yeah, because I'm sort of sort of based in the southeast. So just yeah, driving around, I you just get heaps of shots. It's kind of like when you drive, you sort of have one eye on the road and sort of your other eye scanning scanning left and right in some ways it's 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 like a disease you're always just you're always on the lookout but you know like i never really go looking for it i know it's going to sound a bit bit sort of bit wanky but it, it always just kind of appears in, in in front of me and times when i do go out looking for stuff i i, I never find anything mm. so it's yeah so i'm i'm, I'm quite lucky in, in that respect yeah like after the the stint you did overseas in uh, in London, like, did you find you came back to Melbourne with a, a new appreciation for Melbourne architecture, uh, or was this something that something that, it, that um, came to you later on in life? Yeah, I think it came to me later. I don't know when I came back from from Europe. It was man, Melbourne feels small and quiet. Yeah, it feels very, very quiet, yeah. and it sort of made me, I suppose, realise more of how unique that sort of outer rim suburbia of, of Australia is like it is a it is its own country within its own country of just forwards Holmes footy mm. barbecues you know drive-through bottle shops everybody drinks piss at home yeah you know it's it's a you know shop at Kmart shop at the local shopping center people drive everywhere it is such a dis disconnected and isolated way of living when you sort of compare it to, to the way a lot of Europe lives. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I did an article on Melbourne 
um, years ago, and I've had to do all this research. Joe is the thirteenth largest city in the world, like as far as urban sprawl goes. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know it was that exact number, but I was aware it was one of the biggest in the world. It's bloody huge because when you, if you look at the train network, if you jump on the train from the center of town to the end of the line, it's a bloody long trip. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're looking at an hour and a half each way. Yeah, yeah, but um, like I really, I really fell in love with the. Uh, the architecture while I was living in Europe, and I had this um, and that, and like while I was in Latin America, that's what really got me going. I started drawing what I saw and all that, and then when I got when I was living in London and then over in Europe and stuff, I started like drawing every day, but drawing all the buildings and everything that I saw. And I had this idea in my head that um, that's like, oh, I'm on my way back to Australia. I'm gonna have to find something new to draw because there's there's nothing there. Like as I thought. Like, that was my idea, that was my memories of Australia because it was something that I'd tuned my eye into when I'd left the country. And, um, yeah, like, upon arrival, like, it's, even just coming from the airport, I was like, man, there's, like, so much to draw out here. Like, the suburban um, architecture and the, uh, like, all the detailing on the houses and everything. And even, like, you know, I remember I got back and the Howard Arkley exhibition was on and I went and saw that as well. And I was just like, man, there's, like, the suburban houses in... Uh, in Australia, it was, you know, there's so much to draw. There's so, yeah. there's so much to, to take in, I guess, from your, your point of view, um, take photos of, you know. And I think that's what's great about Melbourne. Like if you, you know, you're in the, the inner city circle, if you want to call it, it's sort of, obviously there's modern stuff going on, but it's sort of Victorian and each sort of ring of suburbs as you go out, it's like a different decade. Sort of each, each ring is like, this is the 70s, you know, this is the fifties. This is the sixties. This is the seventies. This is this is the eighties. It's sort of it's almost like walking through a like a timeline. Yeah, yeah. What like what's your favourite timeline? Do you think? Oh, I don't know. They've all they've all got their their own. I suppose you want to call it unique attraction. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely. do you, do you look out for anything, or is it sort of like you see things that just catch your eye, and you just like. Man, that looks awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. it. I just kind of, you know, there's no real art or science behind it. I just think that looks cool. I like it. I'll take yeah. a picture of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, like I've noticed you're, um, you're into all the, like, the, not just the architecture, but all, also, like, the signage and, and all, like, the Australiana stuff that you see around, you know, like the, um, you know, signs for buying ice and all that type of old video shops. Yeah. I, again, I've sort of, you know, I've always sort of loved typography and you know sort of graphic graphics and graphic graphic art and graphic design so just seeing that stuff again it's it, it just looks cool and it just it was the same sort of thing when I was in the sort of southwest America all the um all the sort of motel signs and hotel signs you know it's all sort of pre-computers and you know with, with my work now all our you know all our stores we do all our signage it's all it's all computer cut. It's all out of a router machine. There's no real, there's no real art to it. It's just sort of mass produced, just churned out, and you know it's got a certain lifespan. After five years or so, materials peel and fade, and you know disappear, and then boom, it's just basically renewed and, and, and refreshed. Yeah, yes. there's a lot of that old signage. You know, you got lead paint. It's actually you know con actually constructed. It's three D signage. Yeah, it's just unreal. I yeah. love it. Yeah, something about the um, sort of pre-Photoshop era that you, you just can't duplicate, can you? No. Yeah. yeah. So you are you also take a lot of photos of the interiors of the, of the houses and stuff. Like um, 
Have you uh, have you come across any any like uh, squatters or anything like that? Not really. Unfortunately, it's it's pretty boring. Most of the sound I hear is is when you walk, you get that sort of crunch of of glass on concrete or floor, and you know the sort of the, the odd waft of asbestos ringing around, which is probably not a good thing. But no, never really anything. You you see the mainly with factory when you go into old factories or warehouses or bits and pieces you see the, the odd other person taking pictures although once in the western suburbs i did see a he was, i think he was chinese or or vietnamese or something he was he was ripping off asbestos and he had no no mask or no gloves or no nothing on and then he was sort of chucking it onto a, a forklift on a pallet and it always amazed me because the idea of a pallet and a forklift is is you lift the pallet up and then you back the forklift out. But he was actually driving the forklift around with the pallet scraping on the ground. So it was just these big wafts of bloody dust from all these asbestos sheeting going off. It was, yeah, when I saw that, I thought, shit, it's time to get out of here. But no, the only funny story I know is a, a mate of mine in Sydney was going through in a, some abandoned warehouse or factory or something and he was going through a doorway and there was a pile of material or clothes or sheets or something and he and he stepped on it and uh it was actually a person asleep underneath it this big sort of islander guy jumped up and who, who was actually asleep and sort of threatened to kill him but uh he quickly pulled out 20 bucks and gave him 20 bucks and <laughs> that that was his get out of jail free card yeah 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 i've um i've come across a few people in in random places over the years I climbed. I was. I was. When I was in Barcelona, I went into this building and went all the way up onto the roof and painted this rooftop in the middle of the day. And then I came down, and as I was coming down, I realised it was like fifty, about fifty people that live in there. And they're all like, "What are you doing? Are you in our house?" And all this sort of stuff. And it's like, oh, it was a big abandoned building. It had no windows or or anything like that. But um, yeah, it was like a, a shanty town. I didn't even realise. I walked through the whole thing without seeing a soul. And as soon as I I jumped back in the window from the roof. I was like, yeah, <laughs> like surrounded by people. It was like, bloody hell. I think it was all good. You know, I talked my way out of it. Like, have you um, have you uh, ever found any good furniture or anything like that? Like a, a nice uh, nice table or anything like that in uh, any houses? I've seen I've seen some bits and pieces, but I've never I've never actually thought to to, to take anything. Believe it or not. Mm. I just, I don't know. Now, now, now you've said that, I'm thinking, damn, there's, there's stuff I should have taken. Probably some signs I sh should have taken, definitely. Like old sort of, you know, tin signs that are, you know, stuck up on the wall and stuff. But no, nah, no, nah, nothing. Yeah. The only thing I take with me, unfortunately, is just a picture. Nothing, yeah. nothing real. Because yeah. these things disappear, you know. Like I, um, I was uh, painting in a warehouse in Collingwood once. Like this was years ago. And, um... Yeah, I remember I finished painting with my friends, and uh, and then when I left, I saw that there, there was nice um, nice like art art deco door handles on every door, and I live in an art deco flat, and I thought oh, I could go with some nice new door handles, and I counted, and they had the exact amount of doors in the building that that, that I needed to fill the doors in my flat, and so I um, drove home, picked up the uh, the wife and the and the drill. And we we both stripped all the doors awesome. and got some really nice handles. We still haven't put them in the on the uh, on the doors yet, but uh, it was a few years ago. But um, yeah, we've been out of town and all that, so but uh, still got them. That's but, unreal. Uh, yeah, you know, actually, I I did see a it wasn't me taking stuff. It um 
at the I think it was the old ICI factory. This is back in about uh, 2006. Is when you heading out of Melbourne, you you're driving over over the Westgate. It's the, the big sort of empty block now next to Science Works. Mm. I remember I, I I went in there and I was sort of walking around, just sort of having a look, taking pictures, and this this bloke spins around the corner a million miles an hour in a in a in a white WB Ute. He you know, said, what the fuck are you doing in here? Ra, 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 ra. I said, oh, just taking some pictures, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, you know, you know, you should be, should, you know, you got to think about safety in here. You know, this is blah, blah, you know, he's crapping on. And he said, I'll oh, jump in, I'll show you something. And I always thought it was quite weird because he's talking to me about safety and yet he had a, a long neck in one hand and he had a, a spliff burning in, the, in, in his ashtray. And he goes, oh, are you taking pictures? Check this out. And he drove me around to the side and it was next to Science Works. And he said, oh, that's that's the, the, the bit out of Mad Max. You know, did you know that? And it's like, oh, yeah. And he was just kind of talking shit Wh- with me. Which one? Beyond Thunder Zone? No, the first one, the the, the original one. But what, what was it out of it? Uh, there's a scene in the, the courtyard of the police station. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, it's got sort of bluestone and brick around. Yeah. And it's got Max and is it the goose or whatever walking through. And he's just kind of talking shit about that, and then he he dri- drives me back, and him and there was about two or three other guys, and it was quite a weird scene. You drove into this this huge sort of vacant room, and there was two caravans in there, and they were actually living inside, living in caravans inside this warehouse. Oh, abandoned, it's not a warehouse, a abandoned room, and they had generators set up. They had couches there. They had a, a fridge full of beer, and it was weird because they were living outside. They were set up like they were camping, but yet they were, yet they were living inside. Mm. And um, yeah, they were just there. They'd been there for months. They were just stealing all the copper and everything they could they could get their hands on. Yeah, is there is there a big squatting culture in Melbourne? Because I know, like in London and other parts of you know, I don't think so. I mean, there's a, like a lot of people squat. And I, think rights I think they're squatters' rights and all that. I think they used to be maybe mm. in the in the seventies and eighties, but I think most of squatting's gone now. Yeah. So I remember going around, <laughs> funny story, I like to chuck in the odd funny story on this, but uh, I was working with a guy from Sweden and he was, um, this was over in London and we we're both working for a skateboard company together and we, and he, uh, it was his, and I'd go around to his house because he'd say, oh, there's a party at my house and he was squatting in an old pub and they still had beer on tap, they'd buy kegs and everything, connect the taps up and he'd go, oh, where's the toilet? And he'll, you go in there and it's like a pub, pub dunny, you know? Wow, and um, that's unreal. And then, uh, and like he was squatting with a bunch of mates and uh, living pretty rough over there. But then he said, oh, I'll come over to Sweden. I'm, ba- I'm going to go home. Do you want to come and visit me? And I said, yeah, all right. And we looked on like the internet. It was Ryanair flights for like £2.50 or something each way. I couldn't say uh, I'll wait till the prices go down or anything. So I booked the tickets there and then went over there. He picked me up from the airport in a brand new BMW and he was absolutely loaded. He just wanted the, like the experience of squatting in in London, living for himself, you know. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. <laughs> Rich Swedes. He was a, he was a Swedish rapper. A rapper, Swedish yeah. rapper. Yeah, there you go. I didn't even know there was rap in Sweden. Yeah, oh, there's rap everywhere now, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, so you didn't get any in, in any trouble or anything like that while you were like looked in any of these these places. Like, no one's the cops haven't come or anything like that. No, I I actually got oh about. A year and a half ago, I taking some pictures in a in a railway tunnel at the back of Frankston, and some police walked down, and I thought nothing of it. And before I knew it, I had some some asshole who read the riot act to me, and 
gave me about 1200 bucks worth of fines. So I ended up going to court and fighting it and got off for only a couple of hundred bucks. But no, I have to admit, it's pretty boring. I've never never <laughs> really had, had much grief. Yeah. Oh, you're lucky. You're lucky. Yeah. So, um, like, what's some of the other stuff that you like to photograph? Um, I started off taking, I suppose, pictures of graffiti. I just kind of fell into that because I was the I was the only person with a camera, and my mates were were right into it, and it just kind of yeah, I just started taking more and more and more, and before I knew it, I was heading out, catching the train, you know, every weekend, you know, cutting school, going out, just spending all day you know, take a, a different line each day, just sort of get off and almost walk the whole line. Yeah, it was good. It was good fun. I, within sort of a couple of years, I ended up taking thousands and thousands of pics yeah. all with this shitty little Ricoh fixed fixed lens camera. Yeah. You still got all the fees? I still do, yeah, and yeah. all the negatives as well, which is good. It's good on you. Yeah. So we, like when when you were taking all those flicks, do you, do you used to like um, put them all in photo albums and stuff like that? Yeah, I used to have these these big, big photo albums with the peel back pages, and I used to, I used to make these collages. And I'd sort of trim and cut all the photos, and mm. sort of make them all fit, and sort of you know get styles, similar styles together, and colours and stuff. Yeah, it was, it was good fun. I've, I've still got two of those albums. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, sh I, sh I should dig them out again actually, yeah. and, and have a look. Because I was the same when I first um, started painting. Like I, you know, I was, was a bit of a toy, so I needed needed to practice and all that. But I, I look at my friends have been doing it for years, and they all had like massive photo collections. And I was like, shit, I want to, I, I need to get some, um, need to get some graphics so I could get some inspiration and do do some drawings and start sort of developing my style and that. And um, yeah, so I'd just go out on my own on Sundays, do what you did, catch a train out, walk walk down the line, take the, all the flicks of the pieces I liked, and I don't know, it was. It was good. Like over the years, just just end up getting so many of them. Like I, I, I had like a bookshelf full of photo albums once upon a time, and yeah. uh, I had to get rid of. I had to take them all out of the all out of the albums because I took up took up too much space. And then I, um, yeah, when I went traveling, stashed them all at my mum's house. You still got them? <laughs> yeah, I still got all the flicks. Don't That's have the photo right. albums though. Okay. I think I got like uh, one photo album full of like all my first pieces. No. That's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty tragic album. <laughs> I don't bring it out very often. <laughs> yeah, there was always that excitement of yeah. going to the, the photo shop and dropping your roll off. I remember the, yeah. there was a photo shop in Swan Street, Richmond. I reckon that was probably was the most... The dude who there who developed photographs, I reckon he probably saw every piece of graffiti ever done in Melbourne. Yeah. Because that's where everybody used to go, go get their rolls of film developed. Yeah. I used to... Um, Go go to one in uh in the city on Swanson Street. They just didn't care. They were pretty um, you know, they were pretty carefree about it. And like I never had any trouble getting like um graffiti photos developed there, except one time when my friend he didn't even paint. He just he liked them and he goes, oh, can you give me a bunch of uh, negatives of really good stuff and I'll get it printed out and I'll uh I'll have I'll st I can stick them on my wall and stuff. And it's like all right, he was just a friend I skated with. And uh, I gave him some negatives of some um, like WCA, WCA like legal walls and stuff like that. And he uh, he got them printed out, and he um, in the city and went all the way home to Essendon. The cops followed him, and but he like held him up and took the photos off him and like tried to take him to court over it and everything. Because no we were young, he, he didn't have ID on him, and he was like, "Look, I didn't do these. They're just photos. They're photos of legal walls, you know." But they are. Uh, they thought they'd. 
they caught the the kingpin or something, you know, oh, like they were being pricks, you know. But hey, that's that's not not out of character, is it? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> but um, but yeah, but like there there really is something about getting your photos printed that like it's it's not like looking at it on screen, you know. You've actually got a tangible object. And, yeah, like, and it was funny. I remember, photos. like I said before, I had this sort of shitty Rico fixed lens camera I'd, we used to use disposable cameras which actually used to take pretty sharp good photos but there was always an art to them because when you'd, you'd look through the viewfinder you'd have the piece you know in sort of Hen Henry Chiffant perfectly framed you know just a small amount each side then you'd get it developed and the, the piece would be like this big and you'd get yeah, this much in so it always I remember it took me a couple of cameras to actually work that out but in hindsight that was it was actually a good thing because I've got quite a few rolls of film where you actually get the whole sort of environment. So there's, you know, old tags and buildings and just, yeah. you know, bits of other pieces and stuff. And they're, they're a bit more, I suppose, what's the word? Doc documentary as opposed to just, a, you know, a pure shot of just the piece. Yeah, yeah. You've caught the whole setting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I, um, yeah, I, I remember having like a... You know, one of the ones where you press the button and it goes, meh, and the lens comes out and yep. you just take the photo. So it was always like, you get what you're given with it. But I remember um, someone got me like this, it was like a, a real fancy like SLR. It was pre-digital, but it was, it looked like, you know, it wasn't like your old school SLR, it was like midway. And I, I don't know, I thought I had this fancy camera and for some reason I just would take shit photos with it because I wouldn't know how to work all the settings. So it's not like digital, you take a photo and then it's like, oh, hang on, I've got the lighting adjusted wrong. You snap off a whole roll of film, yeah. <laughs> get it back, think you got the best shots ever of stuff that you're never going to see again. It's like, oh, shit, it's all like black. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I actually preferred using those cheap cameras. You, you knew that the lighting and all that was going to be all right. Yeah, they, they yeah. took really good photos. They, yeah. And I reckon st still to this day, I, you can still buy them if you go to Ted's or somewhere. So I think I might have to... Bust one out and give it a go again. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you still print any photos? Yeah, or? I I um I shoot a little bit of black and white, um, so therefore that forces you to to, to get it printed. I shoot a little, little bit of colour as well. I was fortunate enough that my my father-in-law gave me a a very nice Leica M4. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's a it's a beautiful camera and the lenses on it, oh, they're just so sharp. Like they're just so sharp. Like you know, as of all the sort of benefits of digital, when you sort of nail the focus on this and get the exposure right, it's just there's a certain sort of richness and, and quality to the picture that just digital just can't can't match. Yeah. It doesn't even come close. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when digital uh, photos, you know, the digital cameras first started coming out and you'd print photos and you'd get them back from the shop and it's like they don't they don't look right. Yeah, they, they just, look they've got this some um, grainy look to them flat. that aren't, yeah, yeah. Like what's there's, there's something wrong with it. Like it just, yeah. I don't know. I've always found like I hardly ever print photos anymore. But when I do, I, I, I can really see. Like my, mind you, I don't have bloody fancy cameras and everything, you know. But like I find that when I've got a decent camera, like for taking point and shoot, you know. And that uh, but for some reason when I print the photos out, they, you can still just tell they're digital. You know, they don't have. It's like the mixture between vinyl and a CD. Mm. You know, it doesn't have that you warmth just can't to compare. it. You know? yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that pretty well sums it yeah. up. It just doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't have, have the warmth, but yeah, yeah. With this Leica I've got, it's it's cool because it's there's no light meter, mm. and it's manual focus. 
So, yeah. you know, like we're just so spoilt today with everything everything all automatic. It actually makes you stop and mm. think and, and, and slow down. And yeah. yeah, as a result of every sort of roll of film, there's normally a lot more keepers than what would be if I use digital. Yeah, yeah. So, um, like we were talking about before we hit record, like you, you've got like some pretty early uh, memories of graffiti in Melbourne. Like, like what were what were some of your earliest memories? Um, my my earliest memory of, of of actual graffiti was all the the meat is murder, paintbrush slogans between sort of I suppose Melbourne and and Hawkesburn. I can I can still remember ca- catching the train. That was probably about. I reckon 85, 86, and uh, yeah, I remember the whole carriage was just kind of bugging out and everybody was sort of reading the, the slogans and stuff. Um, oh, those, those big roller tags? Yeah, yeah. it was Meat is Murder and Ronald McMurder and all this kind of stuff. It was real sort of po- political, you know, the letters were sort of three, you know, three, four foot high and, you know, in those sort of huge sections that... At, at Armadale and you know through yeah, the tunnels the and big brick walls yeah and there's yeah. a section at Turak as well where you know just a long run you know it's kind of 20 30 40 meters and just this massive sort of in just in white and the you know the, the walls being red just this white really sort of stu- stood out and back then yeah. it was probably lead-based paint so it was yeah. just beautifully coated and it just kind of kind of sparkled maybe that's a bit of sort of rose-tinted memory but yeah the, the more I think about it the more of an impact it had um and I can remember in about 81, 82, I think I was going to the the Melbourne show and uh, on the Rosella wall there, I remember the actual Rosella sign. It was, it was pretty well freshly brand new and I remember my dad sort of saying, oh, have, have a look at that because we used to have Rosella tomato sauce. But but as far as actual real real graffiti, I think there's there's probably three things that that sort of stand, stand, stand out. Um, one being the obviously the the ransom piece at at Richmond with the with the cyborg by Constance. I only found out Constance did that probably only about five or six years ago. I always thought that was ransom. That piece was yeah, that piece was iconic. I think every person who who caught the train, those thousands of commuters every single day, knew what that piece was. I remember we'd take school excursions, and all the kids in our class, we all knew. Hmm. what it was we had no idea what it said or what it meant but you know it was always that that big sort of robot thing as you as as you come into Richmond and another one was well I suppose it's technically wasn't graffiti but in some ways it was probably the first bit of street art in Melbourne was the the Grim Reaper at Moravan Station it looked like it was just painted by heavy heavy metal bogans it was um it was these clouds with a moon and like a, a Grim Reaper or something and um yeah that piece that that was legendary again everybody sort of knew that and every, every time you'd come through the through that station everybody would always sort of get up and, and look at it because graffiti wasn't really around then or it was only just sort of starting so it was only in its infancy and just just being right at a station it just had such a such a massive impact yeah and i can uh, the other bits i can still remember at um Hyatt gasworks i think there was a, a howard the duck or a daffy duck or something mm I can I can still still remember seeing that. Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing um, old stuff in. Uh, I was living in in the western suburbs, and my dad was living way out east, down in Belgrave. So, take the trip, you know, on the train the whole way and change. And I just remember being a kid, just seeing seeing graffiti. I can't remember, can't pinpoint 
like the things that I really remember. Like, I remember the Hugh Dunnett stuff because it was so legible and always had cartoon characters and and, and recognisable characters next to it. But uh, apart from that, I just remember bomb trains. You know, like just massive Slash tags. seats. Slash seats, kicked out windows and yeah. just tags everywhere. And that, and you're like, that smell of Hitachi's. <laughs> yeah, and you um, you know, Dad always saying, don't lean against the wall. You'll get pain, you'll get pain yeah, all over you. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, though. I think... Yeah. You know, the more you look back, I think graffiti is actually better when you don't know anything about it because mm. you just see it for, mm. for, for what it is. You don't, you know, you're not sort of caught mm. up in people's names and egos and all that other yeah. bullshit. You see it as purely as, 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 as what it is, you know, just for a split second Yeah. as you go past it. Yeah, yeah. So um, we'll, we'll start wrapping this up, but... um. But like, where's the best place to see your pics online? Uh, probably my in- Instagram account. Yeah. In fact, that's 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 the only place to see them. Yeah. Yeah. What's that? It's uh, Robski, R O B S K I, double three double three. Yeah. No worries. All right, Rob. Well, uh, it's been good to sit down, have a have a glass of wine with you, and uh, and a good Thanks. old catch up. It's been a few years. Thanks, Tom. No worries. All right. Cheers. Okay. For more info on today's artist, uh, go to benchtalkpodcast.com. There you can listen to previous episodes and also see images from the artist that's been interviewed. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. That way you can get the podcast delivered to your phone uh, automatically every week when an episode comes out. Uh, While you're there, it'd be great if you could uh, rate and review the podcast. That way uh, we'll get noticed by more people and have more people listening to it. You can also keep up to date with what's going on with the podcast on Instagram, uh, bench underscore talk. Uh, Also streaming now on Facebook and SoundCloud. I hope you enjoyed this episode and don't forget to tune in next week. Thanks.